Welcome to the Two Hip Podcast. Today's guest is an old friend, an old roommate, an old co-actor, collaborator, and just generally old. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, he's past the bar in Pennsylvania. He is also a reporter, has like the legal background. He's been on some news networks. You might have seen him. He recently traveled to an exotic land and just got back. So he's probably super tired and still <laughs> said that he would do this and agreed to this. So I appreciate it. Without further ado, please welcome Zach Zagger. Hey, Danton. Thanks for having me on the show. Welcome. Welcome, buddy. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's good to talk to you again. It is. It is. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, good catching up. Yeah. Before we like get into the weeds, I always like to attack people and demand that they explain themselves. So please explain yourself. Explain yourself. The hostile segment where you explain you like you're on trial. Uh, well, I'm Zach Zagger. I, I live in New York City. I'm a reporter for a legal news publication called Law 360. It's a subscription-based publication for lawyers. As you said before, I went to law school, and I'm actually barred in, in New York and Pennsylvania. Uh, and I'm writing about sports legal issues for Law 360, so that's keeping me on my toes. Lots of things have been happening. I'm a little out of the loop with, with what happened in, over the past week because I was in uh, Australia, as you mentioned. But uh, <laughs> I'm getting back into it and and excited uh, to chat. Awesome, that's great. Very succinct. I've seen your interviews, and that, that's the whole thing, right? <laughs> when you're being like legal, you got to be like, boom, like get to the point. This is what they want to hear, and you got to sell it. I have lots of stuff to talk about, you know, with your job, obviously, but also just the theme of this podcast, which is authenticity and trying to tie that and interweave that. Also, just curiosity about Australia and and your life. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. Before we get too into the weeds, I just I have one other segment I'd like to get to, which is the two hypocrisy. Two hypocrisy, like the recapture for authenticity, meant to be easy on humans, hard on hipster bots. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if I have a specific moment in mind. Um, I think there's there's a lot of times when you can appear inauthentic or I, I've, I've done so, um, you know, a lot of times with social media and trying to create a brand, uh, around, uh, my persona as a legal reporter, as, uh, as someone, I think it's very easy to try to present a certain, you know, a certain persona and a certain brand in a sense. And I use that word brand, uh, uh intentionally because in some ways that's what you're doing, uh, mm-hmm. when you're in social media. And so oftentimes, I mean, you know me, Danton. I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, uh, that's part of the reason why I am interested in sports legal issues, and and what led me to the beat that I certainly cover now. But you know, as, as a sports fan, you know, you have to change when you're in a professional environment and you're covering uh, things. Uh, you, you know, you can't be your fan self all the time. So I, I, you know, I've noticed that, you know, that has been a struggle for me just in general. Is like portraying myself in a professional manner. Uh, where I'm not trying to be, you know, a fanboy for a team or for or, or for a sport, but trying to present myself as someone who really does uh, cover the issues in an unbiased and objective way. And not that I don't do that, but you know, appearance is, is important. And so, you know, I do present myself as being a very professional person, and, and I try to maintain that. But I guess that's not a specific moment, but that's something. No, that no, I, that's. I think that's valid. That's. I mean, it's, that it's always. Of, it's an open-ended question, right? Like yeah. you can you can sort of focus in on whatever part you want to, but. Yeah. I think the key part of that is that 
that is a hard balance. Right, and right. I've talked about it before with, with some other guests about like balancing work, the version of you at work versus the other version. And in your case, your work version is a very public version. You exactly. literally like everything's published. And then, you know, occasionally you're also talking on the news or on radio, whatever. So, you know, you have all these moments where you have to, you have to come off as intelligent and like you have to make your point. That has to be the focus of what you're doing. It becomes harder to just be yourself. And that's, that's something that I think takes time to like fine tune that balance between expressing your own personality and your interest and also still being like professional and, and coming off as like a, a knowledgeable person, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you. I think you passed. That that's always. It's like a, it's my my unofficial test, as I say to everybody, uh, whether or not I'm going to kick them off the podcast. So you can stick around. <laughs> that's I I find this whole thing fascinating, because there's there's so many layers to this about whether or not you yourself are authentic, but also the the career you've chosen. Uh, law is sort of is this interesting thing where it's it's sort of meant to be a way of, of of verifying the truth right but it, it ends up in some ways also being like a battle between people's sort of versions of the truth which may or may not actually be what happened so how do you deal with that as as the reality of what it means to be a lawyer which i know you're not like a practicing lawyer ne lawyer necessarily unless uh, you are <laughs> uh but you know you're just you're a reporter yeah. right yeah, okay yeah. Uh, primarily at uh, Law 360, but yeah. So, like, how do you how do you balance that? Like the the trying to be authentic for the case, but then all like for reality, I should say, of what you think happened. Well, yeah, it's like all perception and then like fact all blended together in this muddy place. Yeah, I, I, that, that that's an interesting question, and I think there's uh, a couple issues here that that you, that you raised. Um, I mean, first of all, just personally, um, I, I don't know. If when we were roommates back in college and, and I was looking at going to law school, if I would have imagined myself doing what I'm doing right now, uh, probably, <laughs> probably not. But I find myself here and, and I'm really enjoying the work that I'm doing. Um, but I can, I can come at it from, from two ways. I, I think one is when you look at it as a, a lawyer and what a lawyer's job is to do, um, your job is to zealously advocate for your client. Mm -hmm. So your position is what's your client's best in your client's best interests, and you're not trying to lie or deceive or mislead. But what you're trying to do is not necessarily spin facts or spin issues, but portray them in a way that presents your your client's interests uh, or, or presents your client in the best light or protects your client's interests. Mm -hmm. And as a journalist, um, I think the you know the primary responsibility is to seek the truth and hold tr truth to power. I mean, and that's what journalists do and uh, there's a lot of nonsense about fake news out there uh <laughs> not that not that some publications aren't less reliable than others but in my case i cover i cover as a journalist i do cover lawyers so yeah it's a lot of it's a lot of balancing and you have to you have to take what people say with a grain of salt and i think you know part of it is you have to portray um, the allegations of a complaint, for instance, somebody files a complaint against the company and says the company is negligent for doing X, Y, Z or failing to do X, Y, Z more, more accurately put. Uh, but you have to portray those as those are allegations against the company. And then your job is to present those, al uh, those allegations as allegations, not as facts, and to reach out to the company and get their side of the view if they want to put anything out. Mm -hmm. but, most of the times when you're writing about in early, especially early stages of litigation, companies make the decision that it's better to just stay silent. 
Right. Uh, and to, to which even, makes your job a lot harder, I imagine. <laughs> which makes my job a lot harder because I have to reach out to a lot of people and then eventually just write no comment in the story or <laughs> they, they, they did not return or request for comment, which, which happens a lot. You, you call and you email and just no one responds. Of course, uh, Because yeah. they just, you know, because even if they say no comment, we'll probably write they said no comment. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, that, so, that, so yeah, but I, like I said, I, I think, you know, our, our, our job as a journalist is to cut through that uh, and cut through the spin on the other side and try to present things in a objective way or as objectively as possible um get to the truth yeah i, I like that yeah. i, I uh, it's definitely it's I've, i find this this career fascinating and actually really in line with who you were years ago and uh in in that essentially you now have the opportunity to argue for the sake of a specific thing you you love uh, you know a specific aspect of something you love um like for example i remember years ago having a conversation about whether or not uh, student athletes should uh should be paid right like something a debate like that which I'm, i know that you've publicly spoken on and at least uh, one occasion but i'm sure more and now you effectively are being paid to not only just argue on it but then validate it with sort of a very thoroughly vetted uh backup research so it really just is just beating home that sort of uh personality aspect of you where you like really were constantly trying to seek the the truth and have not just a viewpoint but have a viewpoint that was able to be validated by like real facts mm-hmm. and so it wasn't just about because some of the friends that we used to argue with, if you recall, I'm not going to name names, but uh, some of them would maybe go from a more like shooting from their hip kind of vibes. Like, oh, I feel this way. And it was a little bit more loose. And I feel like you were always able to kind of come in and be like, yeah, but if you look at the actual data or if you look at this particular case and this time that someone did this. And I feel like now you've just added years of like legal knowledge on top of that. And now all this like journalistic knowledge and you have all this experience. So yeah, it's just, I feel like it's it's very in line with who you are. So I, I like I like seeing kind of where that's going and where your career yeah. has has gone. Even though you, as you pointed out, you might not have known it was going to end up here. But I, I in in a lot of ways, I see a lot of uh, connections. That's interesting you say that. <laughs> so maybe 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 you. Uh, it's not surprising you where I ended up, but uh, <laughs> you surprised yourself. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that you you want to get to the truth more than you want to be a lawyer because you're in the journalistic side more than you are a lawyer. I didn't know you passed in uh, New York too, though. When when did that one happen? Was that more recently? Uh, I was I was sworn in in September. Yeah. September of this year. Yeah, of last year. Yeah. Uh, well, last that, year, I mean. Yes. 2018. Yeah, yeah. 2018. Congrats! I didn't know that. Thank you. Is your intention then to also practice, or you just like to have be sworn in as many states as possible? <laughs> yeah, I think it's more just the latter. Just that uh, since I live here in the New York, I want I wanted to. I had actually taken the bar exam several years ago, and. If I didn't submit my paperwork to be admitted, I would have to retake the exam, and I didn't want to go through that again. So, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I, that's not to say that like I am looking to 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 change my career path or anything. But I think it is helpful, and it, I think it bolsters you know my my position, and I can say like I'm actually a you know a bard in these states. I saw when you were on yeah when you were on CBS, you know I think they referred yeah, yeah. to you as a lawyer as well yeah. as a, a law journalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very cool. Yeah. And that was another thing uh, for people listening out there. He's been on uh, CBS News. What was it? What program specifically it's, it's was CBS it? CBS News Network. So I th- it's their online 24 hour uh, news network. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the, that, CBS, that cool. you know, has been launching a lot of um, their 
own online services with the CBS All Access and and CBS had, CBSN. So nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a real great opportunity. It, it was fun to be on TV. Yes. Even if yeah. it was, like, was that was that like nerve wracking? It was very much so. I mean, it was the first time <laughs> I'd ever done anything like that to go through hair and makeup and go to the studio and and stand in front of the lights uh, and in front of the interviewer uh, herself. So uh, it was a different experience, much different than doing podcasts. Um, right. <laughs> this is like just a conversation. It's pretty pretty yeah. normal conversation. It has awkward pauses. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Ums and all that stuff. But yeah, I was actually really impressed. For whatever reason, I, I was just paying attention more to the person who was interviewing you because she was specifically, or I don't mean to say I wasn't listening to you, but no, I, I after listening to it like a second time, I went back and I was listening to her not say any ums or have any awkward pauses. I was like, how the hell is she doing that? It's just like this magical, fluid way of talking that must take so much time to just get down. And I, I'm always impressed by people that, that can have these conversations, especially like in the public eye. And just have it so seamless. Oh yeah, she was she was a really great interviewer. In fact, yeah, I think her I think her name was Elaine Quignano, and she did um, she actually did one of the presidential debates. Um, mm, okay. In one of the recent elections, I forget exactly which one, but I really enjoyed working with her because she she really directed the conversation in a way that was helpful and and made me look good, frankly, because I was able to answer the questions in a, in a good way. Sometimes you get interviewers on TV; it's always a danger that either they don't know what to ask or they ask you something that you're not really, you know, that knowledgeable on and you have to to turn the conversation in a way. But I didn't have to do that with her. She really kept it mm-hmm. going. And we actually chatted for, for a little bit in, uh, during the commercial break and she thought it was really interesting. And so I was, uh, I really liked being on the show with her. But what was, what was your original question again? <laughs> I don't think it was a question. I'm just, I'm just yeah, having yeah. a conversation. Uh, no, it's just, it's, yeah. it's always, imp- I'm just impressed at people when they kind of get that down. And I think you did a uh, good job as well as far as, like, just answering the questions. And, like, I I think I said when we first started the podcast, like, getting to the point. But the level of someone who does it, like, all the time does those interviews. Yeah. She's at, like, this, like, ninja warrior level, you know? It's a true skill. And uh, that reminded me what I wanted to say is actually when I started at Syracuse at at the Newhouse School where I met you, um, I was actually a broadcast journalism major uh, coming in. And yeah. I wanted to be in front of the camera. And I, I realized pretty quickly that, you know, though I enjoy, you know, maybe doing what I did la- uh, for uh, on CBSN or whatever, or even doing podcasts, to be on camera all the time and have to be on like that and be so polished, that was not me. I was more of, <laughs> you know, I like being a print journalist or whatever, being able to ask like difficult questions, have open-ended conversations, mm-hmm. get information, go back, write those notes down, go back, think about it, and then draft and present it in a more thoughtful way and I, and so i pretty quickly switched into newspaper journalism which i don't even think they have as a major there anymore it's it's like newspaper online magazine print thing. right right I, does that is that even really them. like they've, well they've, i think they've combined them all into like one overarching major where when i started they had newspaper magazine um broadcast journalism and it was very diversified you know you got to keep up with the times yeah well and, and that newhouse school is pretty notorious for kind of keeping up with that like with all of those branches, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. This actually brings me to sort of the next aspect of this conversation. Where your current job, I guess, now is for Law 360, and this yeah. can you describe maybe briefly what that is for people who don't know? Yeah, it's it's a completely online publication. Uh, it's subscription based, and it's mainly written for lawyers, but it's written in a way that anyone can read. 
And uh, what we do is we cover the latest developments in major cases and other legal issues like um, like legislation being passed or maybe new regulations being written by a federal agency and broken down into what we call wires, which are basically sections or subject areas. So if you're an IP lawyer, an intellectual property lawyer, and you may subscribe to the intellectual property wire, and each morning, Monday through Friday, you'll get a newsletter with a mix of news stories and other uh, more in-depth analyses, and then some other third-party commentator written by other attorneys or other um, law professors, and then some general legal industry news. And so th th that's what Law360 is, and it's, it's grown rapidly. It was a startup about five or six years ago, started by these two guys from, 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 from the Nordic countries, and they were living in, the, in, in, in New York, and they started it, and they quickly sold it to LexisNexis, which is a mm. legal information and just, I guess, information giant. Right, um, just the, the yeah, sort of educational yeah. resource hub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they have a huge suite of services for lawyers with LexisNexis search tools, and uh, they're starting to integrate us more, and so that's, mm. so that's great. And, you know, we're starting to get more access to their services for our own reporting. Yeah, yeah, so being a part of that company is, is good for Law360, and we've been rapidly growing. I've uh, been adding new and new uh, reporters and new sections. I think we have close to 200 reporters and editors and, wow. copy, and copy editors, and they're, our main office is in New York City, but we have bureaus in Washington and Los Angeles and London, and we have reporters remotely placed throughout the country. So, Man, that's, yeah, that's huge yeah, for, yeah. The, for that time frame. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And you guys have like a podcast now, too. I think you did one of those yeah. episodes as well. Yeah, so that was uh, two of my colleagues at Law360 thought, you know, why don't we have a podcast that will, will be directed at our, both our readers, but also other people that may, you know, be interested in these issues and they'll get Law360's name out there. And that's become tremendously successful. Um, and I've, I've been featured on there a few times uh, talking about major sports cases that, I, that I've been covering. That's been great. And we're also starting to do more multimedia stuff like video and adding more pictures and graphics to the, our stories. Um, and, and and we I think we just did a re website redesign uh, that okay. was just launched last month or yeah yeah in February so yeah we'll include links to that most of our readers get their news through like I said those those newsletters and they'll click on the links and it'll take them to the website but I think we're starting to bolster our actual website uh, right and I'll include if you don't care I will include your personal website too is that like severely out of date or is that recent uh, 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 I, I don't want to like i i recently offended someone because i put on their uh their website and it was it was so out of date but i mean she was jokingly offended she yeah. wasn't like really angry about yeah, it yeah i mean i i haven't really updated much but the information that's up there is is accurate i think uh, <laughs> i'm working on that's that's something that i want to to really update for my for my own purposes but yeah i mean i think everybody my, yeah. I, I think i said the same thing my website is also like horribly out of date so and just like feels really clunky and just the yours actually looks pretty pretty buttoned up so i i uh i think yeah. it's okay to direct people there you you obviously talked about when you're more in the spotlight and you're being interviewed it's harder to be yourself but do you so do you feel the same way in your office setting or does that environment feel more like hey i'm i can be who i am every day oh i i work with a lot of great people at law 360 and um i'm easily i can easily be myself you know, I, I said what I said, but then again, like I, who I am 
professionally isn't that different than who I am as a person, really. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> Makes things a little bit easier. Do, do you yeah. have any? Uh, let's just let's get get into the nitty gritty. Do you have any deep dark secrets you'd like to divulge right now? <laughs> <laughs> just like to put people on the spot. Just if if I notice them twitching or very uncomfortable, then I can uh, I can call it out. No, I don't. I don't know if I have any anything like that. <laughs> I, I fairly yeah I, I fairly try to keep myself open and i you know not that like i open up to everyone but and many times i wear my heart on my sleeve sometimes so. yeah <laughs> I mean, well especially with your fandom right with yeah, like yeah, yeah. your obsession if you didn't talk to you about pittsburgh you would probably know your allegiance pretty quickly uh, based on your attire i would imagine yeah <laughs> or, or some conversation where if you mention sports yeah. it will probably come up so yeah, I've been a lifelong Pittsburgh sports fan. That's not a secret. I, I follow the Syracuse sports, and you know I've been getting into some of the New York New York area teams, like the New York City Football Club. So they're 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 a soccer team based uh, in Yankee mm. Stadium. So okay. I, I've been uh, you know I'll swing up there for some games uh, since it's I don't live that far away, and I I enjoy rooting for fans, or rooting for teams, uh, which. Interesting story about that. I was just in Australia, and apparently, rooting there means something completely different. Uh, <laughs> what does rooting it, mean there? It's uh, that's like a sexual thing, I guess. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So you don't root for a team or root for a person. You um, oh, I, I actually I forget what the term they use, but you just you follow a team. You, oh yeah, so yeah. You gotta be careful about that, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anytime you're in another country. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, I actually have a question about Australia. I heard on a, a different podcast I listen to a, a lot called Probably Science. Um, they were they just did a tour in Australia, and so they were doing some episodes from there. And they mentioned something that's like a fake. It's like a hoax in Australia that everyone brings up in Australia. And I was curious if you encountered it by oh, any drop bears. The drop bear. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of this ever before, and suddenly I heard of it, and I was like, Zach just went to Australia. I'm going to ask him if anybody was just started making shit up about drop bear. Um, you should Google it if you're listening, yeah. uh, and look it up. It's like apparently like a violent koala maybe, but there's always like, it's, it almost reminds me of like the Jersey devil. Was that the vibe you got? Not so much. I wouldn't say the Jersey devil. Cause I think that's like a, the way I understand the Jersey devil is like, there's one Jersey devil or something mm-hmm. and that it, it's supposed to be like this mythical, or maybe it's like the big flow where it's like this cryptozoological, right? Like one creature. creature. Yeah. Yeah. Though I think. Bigfoot people will tell you there's it's a whole species, um, <laughs> but beyond that, I, 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 it's just like a running joke. I think they have just to scare tourists. And <laughs> uh, I actually I read about it because I, I before I left I did some reading about Australia. I read a couple of books. Uh, of course, about okay. about 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 it, and one of them did mention this like things that like are hoaxes or jokes like the learn that you have to know about. And, one, and they had a write up a little write up about the drop bear. I didn't hear about it at all, actually, in my whole trip. And then I went, I went to get my hair cut, actually, at this barber shop because barber shops are a big thing in Australia now, uh, apparently. Like, like just barber- like, is that yeah. like the cool place to hang out? Barber yeah, shops? like barber huh. shops and coffee shops and cocktail bars are like the big things, in, 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 <laughs> at least in the in Sydney and Melbourne and the cities. And so, I, I was like two or three days before we left, and my barber was like, "Did you?" She was asking what I did. And I said we went on these like excursions and blah blah. blah. And she's like, "Oh, did you, did you see any drop bears? You gotta be careful about them out there." <laughs> and I looked at her, and she knew that I knew that she was joking, and she just like carried it on a little bit. And, and we had a laugh about it. But like, it's just was, amazing how everybody like sticks with that. It, yeah, it's like a it's like a thing you have to do if you're Australian. It's it's a legal obligation. Mm-hmm. Did right. you 
Did you read? Um, I'm just curious because I've actually vaguely familiar. Bill Bryson does like the in a sunburn country. In a sunburn I think country, it's country. Yeah. And is actually, that? I did. Well, I could say I read it, but like that would be a lie. I read most of it. <laughs> I skimmed it. I read the. I read the thing on the back, the description. I read about half of it before. I started a little bit like a week before we left, and I and I, and I was busy, and I read about half of it. Okay. Left, and then I read a little bit more on the on the trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do intend on finishing it soon, but I read most of it. I read about two thirds of it, and I'm going to finish it. Did it seem in line with sort of your experience? Yeah, that one, and I read this other one, which I think was like a self-published book that I found on Australia uh, on Amazon about Australia about <laughs> this guy who I can only describe as like you know somebody from America that's real like America, but it was <laughs> an Australian. An Aust- oh, okay, okay, the Australian version of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And writing about the differences between Australia and um, the United States, mm, and mm-hmm. his wife—he's in the—he's in the mil- Aussie military, and then his wife—he met his uh, wife, who was a U.S. service member, and uh, while they were serving in some humanitarian mission, I think. And he, that's where he—he he mentioned the drop bears. But <laughs> both, both be, between reading both those things, I was surprised by the. Um, level of understanding of Australian culture I had by the time I got there because oh, okay. I kept finding things and being like, oh, yes, I know about this because like, I, I, I remember reading about this. <laughs> and Yeah, we, you're, you're an expert. Yeah, we had a couple of friends there uh, who, who have moved uh, from, the, from the D.C. area. They moved out to Australia for, for work and mm-hmm. uh, fellow Syracuse people, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if you knew them, but um, they're friends of my, my fiancé and okay. we... They kept telling us stuff, and a lot of what they were telling us I had read in those books. I was I was surprised by how much I actually knew. And that I, I watched some shows about Australian wildlife, and they also talked about some stuff which was interesting. So, uh, but but be, it's nothing like being there. I'll tell you, traveling is a really interesting and uh, uh, endeavor, and it's quickly becoming more more of a passion of mine, and especially with my fiance who likes to travel. So right, yeah, we have, I, we, I love I absolutely love traveling. I think like that's the most Man, you want to? I mean, here, let's bring it back around. Authenticity, <laughs> any chance I get. But that, to me, is like that. That's the most real you can get with a place. Like if you're if you're there, yeah, y- you can get the most real experience possible. And and if if you can avoid, I mean, obviously there's certain tourist items, but if you can avoid the more touristy traps and try to go a little bit outside of of the norm, I feel like yeah. that's where you get to the real. Australia, in, in your case, but whatever you know, wherever you may be traveling, you get to that real, the real aspect of it. I have, I have a thing whenever I'm traveling to a new city or to a new country, is that I do like to do a mix of like those touristy things. Maybe, maybe not, maybe avoid the tourist traps, so to speak. But like mm-hmm. when, you're in, when you're in like Sydney, you got to tour the uh, the Opera House, right? Right. You know? Yeah. Did you I, climb the bridge too while you were there? I, I, I didn't because no one, no one had the guts <laughs> to climb it. <laughs> and it's actually. It was it was a little quite expensive, and I just to do it on my uh, own. Okay, okay. But we walked all around it. But I like to do a mix, you know, do some of those those big sites. Like if you're mm-hmm. coming here for the first time, maybe do the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty. Um, once you've done them once, maybe you've, that's all you need to do. But uh, also, you got to get out and spend time with like the real people of that place and mm-hmm. kind of experience the the culture of where you're at and. And I, I like to do a mix of both those things. Yeah, I, I think that's the closest yeah. you can get. I mean, there's obviously some level of authenticity to the tourist items that made them popular in the first place. Yeah. And every, everyone's drawn to them, and they're they're iconic or they're you know whatever it may be. But that does become part of the image. 
you know, like I, I, the thing I can think of is uh, Paris for the longest time hated the Eiffel Tower. Like uh, the city as a whole was like horrified by the Eiffel Tower. But if you asked a, like a modern day Parisian, like what iconic part of Paris do you like? They would probably all say the Eiffel Tower. It's like become part of the image. It's and a, even it's they a, accept it as like part of who, what it means to be Parisian is to like have that in your, in your city. Yeah, it's a symbol, and it, it puts your your place, your city on the map. I mean, that's part of the reason why the Sydney built the Opera House and the, and the Harbor Bridge. Mm-hmm. I think Melbourne was chosen as the host of the 19, I think it was 56 Summer Olympics and not Sydney. And, right. you know, right around that time is when they built both those big monuments and mm. they give their city an identity and a, and a symbol that, that can be recognized, recognizable symbol around the world. And now... Not not necessarily just because of those thing, two things, but part of it is, you know, Sydney now is the w- much uh, more well-known Australian city and was the chosen as the host of the 2000 Summer Olympics. So. Right, so it came back around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I find that travel's freeing, I guess is what I'm asking. So do you feel like you, while traveling, is that a moment where you feel like you're most authentic or, or is it the opposite? I'm curious with some people how that goes. Well, I think one thing that's great about traveling to another country is that unless you really pay for it, you don't have cell service everywhere. <laughs> You're not constantly looking everything up on your phone or trying to right. check people or check your email. So that can be freeing in a way. And I think when you travel, I don't know, you can, especially when you travel with people you don't know or you travel maybe with one person, you can really just be whoever you want to be or be your most relaxed self because you're not in an environment where you're constantly trying to impress other people or mm-hmm. yourself in a certain way. And you can kind of just go and enjoy the things that you want to enjoy. And I think you fi- you do find what, what it is that you enjoy. Because when you go to a new place and then you find yourself looking for certain things to do, you really come to an understanding of like, oh, this is what I like to do. You know, like I Right. When you have nothing on your yeah. schedule, yeah, you're like, oh, well, if, if I had to do anything I wanted to do, this is what I would pick. Yeah. Exactly. And you're like, oh, I guess I like this thing. Yeah. 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 So it helps you find that. And that was really interesting. I absolutely love um, scuba diving. I actually got certified when we were in Syracuse, which was brutal because I had to right, go to right. Lake in New York uh, and, and wear like a dry suit so that I would stay warm in that freezing cold weather. Uh, and I think it was in October or something when I dove. Anyway, that's beside the point. But the, the point, I guess, is I've realized over time that like every time that I think about a vacation, particularly where they're they're near any body of water at all i'm like oh i wonder if i could dive on this trip like that that's like one of the first things that pops into my head and it was one of those aspects of just you realize your true self like that's really something i just love being in the water i've always i always liked swimming like for years but then when i could get down under the water and like actually see animals in their environment in this unreal place and it just it kind of just puts me in this zen space it took exactly what you're saying, like going on a couple of trips to realize that. I know it travel is definitely sort of a luxurious addiction, but I do I do think people can do it on the cheap. You know, you don't have to go to super exotic places necessarily, but just trying to get outside of your bubble every once in a while, it gives you perspective, you know, so you can appreciate the people around you. Yeah. And I'll tell you this too, like, how, you know, you, you go to places like a big city like Sydney or even if like you travel to like LA for the weekend or or San Francisco even which is a beautiful city I got to travel to last year for the first time I, I doing all that is really fun but I, I it's given me an appreciation for something that I didn't ever think I would have an appreciation for and that's just your 
like your beach trip <laughs> where you just go and you just sit on a beach and just like swim and drink a few beers or whatever. Like I, I never thought, I always thought that would be like a waste of time. Like I got to be exploring, constantly doing things, but uh, which I still love to do. But I, I, I found that like sometimes I do like a vacation where I don't really have to plan an itinerary mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> of things. And you're not like, oh, I'm only here for X number of hours and there's this many things I have to do. And so how can I fit in as many of those as I can kind of trips? Um, so I, I think it's fun to just to go and relax sometimes. So yeah, just force yourself to relax. Like we, um, my wife and I aren't necessarily cruise people. We, we didn't, well, we didn't yeah, know if we were never got a cruise. I don't know if I would ever, but yeah, go ahead. yeah, but we did one, um, after our wedding, we were like, this is an easy one. We'll go to Bermuda. It'll be like a fun little trip. And because of that particular trip, by the way, was a cruise where you like, you go out for three days just okay. to Bermuda and come back. So you're not doing like a bunch of stops. Like if you were in the Caribbean, for example. Yeah. And uh, and so we, we were like, let's give it a try. And it was also super tre- cheap tickets. It left from Baltimore, which is where we were living at the time. And it was just, it was so easy. We we're like, yeah, let, let's do it. Fine. And we go to do the cruise. And because you're sort of locked in, it wasn't a giant ship. And because it was also a little bit longer of just three days straight out. It was like, okay, we're forced to do virtually nothing. Like we, yeah. we, we could just yeah. do what is available to us here. You know, the, the comedy show, there's only like one show a night and sometimes they repeat people. So you kind of have a, like a limited number there in terms of entertainment. They have like a, a musical production that they change. Like I think they do two or three versions. Still, do you really want to go see that exact same or very similar show multiple times? So you, you find yourself enjoying the water and just like sitting down and having a drink and like trying to have a conversation together and uh also maybe binge watching the entire star wars movie series uh, you know hey, whatever whatever you want to do it's a great time to binge watch some series some some movies <laughs> my wife had never uh she had never seen star wars maybe bits and pieces and oh, i was like okay. this is i really don't know if i can continue in this marriage without yeah. this so i was like even though we i i you know i allowed us to get married without her seeing that, which I shouldn't probably shouldn't have done. But I was like, as long as we watch it on the honeymoon. No, <laughs> no I'm actually kidding. But, but she, she but was the one that was like, I want to Lord of the Rings trilogy though. That's the... oh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I know you're more diehard Lord of the Rings fan probably than, uh, than star Wars, but, well, but I, would, uh... I wouldn't say more so, but, but... <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I wonder actually, now you're making me wonder. She hadn't seen Indiana Jones for a while. She's, I love my wife, but she hasn't seen a lot of movies that are like the iconic, sort of pop culture movies that I think most people grew up with. Uh, or actually just it, it at all throughout time. She, she's not like a super diehard movie person. And that includes the diehard movies, ironically, or in the, unironically. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things where, I don't know, or maybe she just doesn't like recall them as well, like to the point where they become like an f- obsession. I feel like I'm obsessed with some of them. Indiana Jones is one of them that she was just not not into. It's like almost upsetting. <laughs> Well, you talked about Dirty Secrets earlier, Dan Tano. My Dirty Secret is I only watched Die Hard like last year. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. wow. I had you, never I seen think you BS your way through some arguments in college, Die Hard related, uh, <laughs> based I, on nothing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah that's, uh, I feel like that's a pretty good one, the original. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to watch like 80s and 90s action movies now because they just feel like almost comical, but because they took themselves so seriously. And at the time though, they were like, this is badass. You know, this is like tough, but now I can't watch them. I I disagree, Danton. I think now we can fully appreciate for how badass they are. Like, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like, uh, and how ridiculous, like, those movies from the, the 80s and early 90s were, especially the action genre. I mean, you you have to take them as, as being funny, you know? Like, yeah, like, that's the best way. Well, did you ever... The fact that that helicopter crashes through the, the roof of the Civic Arena. Like, like that's crazy. Yeah. Well, and in, uh, in Le- uh, Lethal Weapon, the first one, like... Yeah. Mel Gibson, like, really broke down in tears in that, like, uh-huh. the scene where he was... Was he was he contemplating shooting himself or something? I think, I think so. Yeah, that was like a really intense scene in like a movie that was otherwise ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, oh, but the movie I was going to mention for anybody listening too, as well as you, Zach, write this down. Is oh man, now I'm blanking on. Oh, Last Action Hero. Oh yeah, that's the one that like parodies all of the all it the. It was brilliant, movies. and it came out yeah. at the time when like the parodies weren't really happening. Like now, I feel like every movie. Right, right. Is a parody of one of those movies. Like, like, and a lot of comedy movies are parodying that stuff. But that was like way early. Uh, Schwarzenegger was in it, playing an action hero who gets basically this kid gets thrown into his movie world. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This kid from the real world gets thrown into the movie that he's in, and kind of points out all these things to him, and realizes what's going on, and and it becomes this like ridiculous super meta <laughs> experience. But just fantastic, especially at the time. I think Shane Black was one of the writers who wrote most of it and then went on to write a lot of other interesting things. But I also heard that the final version of that script wasn't really that great. But nonetheless, I, I love that movie. I highly recommend it. Last Action Hero. Anybody yeah. listening? Ahead of its time. It's been a while. I think I caught the beginning of it uh, on cable a few months ago, actually. And it brought back a lot of memories. But I haven't watched the whole movie. Anymore. Yeah, you got to commit. you got to watch the whole yeah. thing. Because it's it's an experience. <laughs> yeah. It's an experience in uh, authenticity versus inauthenticity. I can always bring it back around right. with terrible right. transitions. <laughs> um, so you're you're also uh, engaged now. Congrats, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Was this like your engagement pre-wedding trip? It was more like it, if I wasn't engaged before that we went on this trip, it was, things were going to get ugly. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, I'm I'm kidding. But like we. We've been together since college, so it, it was a long, long, uh, long time coming. And uh, we, but we lived apart for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to law school, and she was working, and and so we lived, we lived, a, we did did the long distance thing for a surprisingly long time, and mm-hmm. without ever kind of like really agreeing to do the long distance thing, it was always kind of like, well, I'll come visit you, and then. When we would visit one another and be like, "Well, I want to visit you again," and we'd set up the next visit, and then, <laughs> and then that kept going, and then finally we'd set up a few visits, and you know, in the future, like I'll come around this time, and then I have time during my schedule at school, I can come here, and you know, being a, being a student, it makes it a little easier because you know you have you have breaks during the summer and over the Christmas and stuff like that. So yeah, so uh, so now that you're you're an engaged human person. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into some relationship talk with with uh, Zach Zagger. So I'm just curious with with the caveat, by the way, to listeners that Zach is not a relationship expert, like by a legal definition. He doesn't he doesn't run a relationship show or anything like that. I have never portrayed myself as such, but <laughs> but anyway, we're gonna dive in. This is this is real. That's the point. Do you feel that one of the things my wife and I encounter sometimes is we we find ourselves asking encountering certain people. And let's let's call them inauthentic people, people that I per- I anyway perceive as being inauthentic. And I ha- I can't help but think when they leave here and they go back with their significant other, especially when you've been in a relationship for a really long time, they have to get into 
a real conversation. They have to be real. Like if you're with someone in a relationship, I can't, I, ha- I especially when you've been together for a long time, you just have to, all the walls have to come down. You have to be real in that moment or else the relationship crumbles. Do you feel like, A, I guess this is two questions. A, do you feel like you can get to that place? Because that would be a good thing. And then B, do you, have you encountered people where you're like, like, what is their conversation? I always am curious. Like, what is that couple's conversation like when they're at home, just them, no one else around? Like, what is the real version of them? At least as they're portraying themselves to their significant other, which sometimes might not be the real version either. But I'm always curious and also weirdly hopeful that, like, when people are in their relationship, that for somehow that's the moment where, okay, well, they'll be real there. I mean, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think for me, my fiance knows me better than anyone or anyone else knows me. And so maybe even more than myself sometimes. I'm scared. <laughs> I, I find it very difficult to hide or anything from her because she can read me <laughs> like a book. Uh, and so, and I know, and I know her well, I hopefully, Maybe not as well as she knows me, but I know her. Very well. <laughs> At least you can admit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're we're different in many ways, but different in, in many ways that are complementary, hey. and we're alike on the the core issues. Then that's what makes us yeah, work. Like Lord of the Rings fandom. Not at all. Course, no. <laughs> right. Like, the core issues, Zach. Yeah, yeah, I thought those yeah. were core issues. She's not a, a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. You would think, but then if we were both like super hardcore, you know, fans like that, then. I don't know. That maybe we would have fun doing different things, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think it like keeps me more balanced. Right, know? right. No, you know, I, I don't anticipate right. everybody to be aligned 100% with every aspect of their their personality. I mean, I drag her to enough stuff. I've drag drug her to like the Star Wars premieres and to <laughs> I drag her to sporting events. You know, when when the pirates come through town or whatever. But uh, I mean, what what do people talk about? I think that's an interesting thing, and I uh, I think it's maybe different for or it must be different for each individual couple. And I hope that they do have something that they can talk about or get, get along. And I, and I've seen, I mean, we're getting older, Danton. I mean, you even have, you have kids now. I mean, I don't, I don't have kids. So, but I hang out with a lot of people that are in long-term monogamous relationships and, or are married. And I see there's different dynamics between all of them. Uh, but for something makes them work apparently. And, uh, you know, some of them, I don't know. So sometimes, you know, it's tough to like, you know, you got to find those those common interests, not just between each other and a couple, but between other couples. And like when you're out in social settings, I think everything changes. Right. Uh, do you, do you feel like there's a there's a whole group of, of the population who thinks honesty in a relationship is ridiculous? Like, no, you got to hide things. You can't you can't be 100 percent honest. And then there's some people who are like, no, you should really be. 100% like as as much honesty as you can possibly get do, do you feel like you fall somewhere in the middle or or is there like a certain no you don't you're shaking your head no <laughs> I don't know who says that you're supposed to hide things from your partner <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard I've heard a lot of people that are like maybe it's more of an old school vibe which maybe yeah. explains why 50% of the population is divorced or whatever yeah. but uh but yeah like this idea that no you can't you can't be 100% truthful but I feel like the more truthful you can be you can't mess up. I mean, I guess you can mess up. I was going to say you can't mess up when you're being real, like you're being 100% real. But you can. You can make, still make mistakes uh, in a relationship. But I feel like there's uh, – somehow it just it, – it comes back around to being okay, like things being okay more easily if it came from a place of just being real, being truthful. Like if you, if you hurt someone because you were being honest with them, you know, you might have hurt them. You might have offended them a little bit. 
you know, you were you were at least being truthful. There's still there's still the vein of truth. So at the end of the day, can you really be upset by that particular moment or conversation? You know. Well, I say this with the caveat that I'm by no means a relationship expert, as we talked <laughs> before. But like, I feel like it would be very difficult. But that that seems very problematic to me. If you're in a relationship and you don't feel like you're you can be, or that you are being, or that your partner isn't being 100% honest with you, that seems like a recipe for disaster. And I mean, I guess it gets to your idea of like authenticity too. I mean, if you can't be authentic on the most fundamental fundamental level, which is a relationship between you and your partner, who you're you know you're either marrying or are married or intend to marry, that's 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 really strange to me. I don't know. I mean, and that seems to be a problem. And like, especially not just for you, but for your partner, you're, you're, you're hiding something from them. So who are they falling in love with? Is it really you? And mm-hmm. I feel like that has to come up. Maybe it, it stays buried for a long time, but it's gotta be this latent problem that hangs underneath the relationship that's waiting to, to expose itself in some way. I don't, I don't, and that's oh, and that's probably what when yeah. we hear about people snapping, yeah, here in the news like about just really just terrible horrible things happening in people when the relationship just breaks because something they just weren't being honest about. Man, I feel sh- like shit right now, or or I really don't feel like we're in this together, or we're not communicating, or whatever. You know, you gotta gotta get that stuff out in the open, even if it's not that great. You gotta have the conversation. And maybe it goes to like changing ideas of what marriage and relationships are. I think in the past and previous generations, you know, especially for the long history of marriage, it's, it's more of an institution and something that you need to do to, for a number of legal and social reasons to, to, to pair off with another person to have, you know, legitimate children or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and to have a stable home when, especially in times when women haven't been able, and even today or still, you know, have equal access like they should to employment opportunities and, you know, you need to have you need to have a, a breadwinner, so to speak, and everything. Mm-hmm. And so people, there was a, I think a lot of pressure to pair off. And maybe you know you had to hide certain things because you weren't necessarily trying to find somebody that was like your perfect partner, but was somebody they could pair off and made made sense on a social socioeconomic level, and that you were somewhat compatible, like you could stand to be with one another. Right. But now I think we look at marriage as something that's not necessarily something you need. You don't even need to be in a in a relationship to have a kid now. I mean, you can you can adopt or you can use a a sperm donor or whatnot. So I think or now, just just have kids and not be married. And yeah, which is also a thing. Married. So now we view I think marriage as being a partnership. And in any mm-hmm. good partnership, you gotta you have to your partners you're, you're equal. You know, you, like, like the legal definition of a partnership or two. You know two entities or two individuals who come together to form one thing that are equally invested in the, in, in, mm-hmm. in the entity. So I and, like how you bring it back with the legal. Yeah. Terms yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I think if one person is, is hiding something or can't be fully honest with the other person, then they're not fully invested in the partnership and it's not going to work. Right. I'm hoping it's an outdated thing. And, and I also, I, I wonder if just the age of the internet, you know, has created uh, a world where it's hard to bullshit somebody like it's it's really hard i know from, from what i hear most people that i know that are like in the dating pool right now almost immediately google someone that they meet on whatever site or if they meet someone anywhere but in person 
they almost immediately Google that person that they're talking to and just say, what do they look like? What jobs do they have? Does this person actually have this job? Does this person do this? Do they, you know, uh, and they'll, they'll like vet them almost immediately. And it's pretty easy to do. Even with some of the more common names, you can find a lot about somebody pretty quickly. If you have like a common name plus some yeah. other fact, you can find them very quickly. Well, yeah, and that's a, that's a huge business now in and of itself is people trying to maintain their online reputation or identities and uh, trying to maybe, what's the term, you know, like paint over or whitewash some of the things that they're in their past or bury them. I think I know a, a president of a country who possibly does this. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I think it's interesting you say that about like Googling because I, I think now people that are interested in getting married uh, or getting into a relationship, I've known a number of people that have done this. They use these online services like Match or mm -hmm. Armour, you know, not to plug these companies or for private companies, but like some kind of online service where it does do a lot of that vetting for you or makes it easier for you to do the vetting. Cause, and and right. some of that, some of that is, uh, is good because you do want to make sure you're getting involved with somebody that is going to be compatible and is who they say they are. So, yeah. Do you think, do you think like Uber drivers should have the same level of vetting? <laughs> There's been some hazardous Uber driver news. I feel like I've been hearing lately. Yeah. I, I hate to, I hate to get too on the Uber drivers. I think if you look at the number of Uber drivers there are out there and the number of incidents that they have, I don't know how that compares to similar sectors or compares to other taxi, regular taxi drivers. Mm. Yeah, they never. They yeah. often will lump that in as like a thing, but then don't compare it to taxis, which would be the relevant thing to compare it to, right? Like, yeah. oh, taxis are licensed and and they're the appropriate method, et cetera, et cetera. You know, they do involve a tremendous amount of trust. I mean, you're you're out on the street, especially like a place like New York City. You're out on the street, some random neighborhood at at two thirty in the morning, and you call somebody, and some dude just pulls up in a black car and you hop in and you they and, and sometimes you even fall asleep in the car and you just trust that they take you to the place that they're going to take you to and it's we are in a very trusting yeah era, era which it, it, I, I actually think is it can be dangerous but it, i think it's a very positive thing like all yeah. these car these sharing type programs car sharing yeah. ride sharing pool sharing whatever yeah. sharing the airbnb is the same sort of vibe even couch surfing all of those things i think that's amazing it's all about community it's all about trust like a at, at a you know at a scale that's much larger than was possible prior to the internet yeah so yeah i think that's that's good to have were you going to comment on the the trust aspect yeah i guess so maybe i said i was going to say that maybe it's just brought on in part by the technology because um you know there are people monitoring and you can see what route you took and if you did have an issue they can easily track what car that was who that was it was in there, so it does create a disincentive for an Uber driver to do something bad. But it, it, it is kind of scary. You hop in a car with somebody you never met and hope that they take you to where they're going to take you. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of hope and faith. Whether yeah. you're religious or not, that's a lot of faith you're putting in someone else. Yeah, yeah. And that being said, I've encountered – most of the Uber drivers I've encountered have been very nice, and, and I've had very little issues – if I if I've had any issue with an Uber driver or Lyft driver or whatever, it's that like <laughs> they maybe just don't know what they're doing and they may get lost or go the wrong way and mm -hmm. end up spending more time, even though there's like the GPS is telling them where to go. Um, but it hasn't been anything <laughs> like straight up malicious. Right, right. I went on a tangent there and just kind of went yeah. with it, but I liked where we were going there. Yeah, so I th I think we touched on a lot of things. I I do want to to 
take it back around. Um, I have two things at the end here that I like to kind of get into. First one is, if you wouldn't mind mentioning your charity. Donation directions. Directions on where and how to donate your donations. So um, I chose this charity. I've done a little bit of work with them through uh, Law 360, um, but it's NY Common Pantry. It's a food pantry for um, underprivileged uh, people in New York City, and it's based not too far from my apartment here in East Harlem, New York, which is one of the um, most impoverished neighborhoods in in the city. But uh, it's turning around, and and uh, you know, I living in a place like New York, you see such incredible opulence uh and it's a really a city of opportunity but those opportunities and that opulence is definitely not equally or spread to to everyone so i hate to see people go hungry especially children and so i think this this group does a lot of work with um running a food pantry and allowing families to come in and get food uh, so they can have food for the week and so I, i haven't like contacted them and i'm not like an official spokesperson for them or anything but i do think they do some good work and you can reach them at nycommonpantry.org and they have a link on there that you can donate or help uh, in any way so great yeah we'll we'll include that definitely send people there we'll include it on the uh the episode list description thank you for that zach and i'd like to to take it back to sort of one uh question at the end here and that is if uh if you could use this as a platform to talk to people of all ages, what would be your sort of message at the end here for how to be your most authentic self? I, I, I don't think it's that hard. It's just, I, I think it's just try to try to be who you are. Don't feel like you have to change uh, to impress people. You know, I think the idea of authenticity in some ways, it's difficult to pin down what that is, uh, but we're always searching for who we are as a person. So there's nothing wrong with continuing that search, um, late to life, always being curious and, and, and interested, but realize that that's part of the process and there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with expressing your opinions or your experiences um, and in many ways that can help you get, get further ahead. Yeah. Right. Great. Yeah. Nice send off there, Zach. Thank you. All right. This has been a great conversation, and I always love where things go. Sometimes they go in the path of, of your career, which we talked about a little bit, and sometimes they go into um, you know the relationship guru, Zach Zagger, uh, which is going to be your new hashtag, <laughs> relationship guru. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm just messing around. But, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for being a guest. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you, Danton, and really appreciate any help uh, in your, your endeavors here and, and uh, anytime. So let me know. Wonderful. Just to everyone... Listening out there in the world, I want to say that you can uh, follow us on Facebook, Two Hip Podcast, Twitter at Two Hip Podcast, and you can go to twohippodcast.com slash subscribe, and it gives you all sorts of places where you can listen and you can follow us and find out what's going on. And obviously, I want to thank all the listeners. And if you have comments, feedback, guest recommendations, segment or topic recommendations, anything, Please send a message, and uh, if you want to share Two Hip Podcast with your friends and family, tell people about it. It's amazing. Uh, and also, I think on iTunes and maybe some of the other platforms, you can usually uh, write reviews or comments um, and rate the podcast, so that would also be appreciated. All these great things. Really nice talking to everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. 
This has been the Two Hip Podcast. Mm-hmm.